Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. We're getting ready for the Canucks and St. Louis Blues to come a little bit later on. Today we'll have the pregame show starting after 4 o'clock and, we'll, and we will join with um, Sportsnet Pacific coming up at 4.30 today as well. But... We have some things we need to get to. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Trade Watch continues to be on, Sat. Yes. Has Luke Shen been traded yet? Let's take a look. No. He has not yet been traded. And maybe we can cross off a team that he was rumored to be going to, potentially. Ooh. Or not. I mean... Luke Shen only makes 900k. Yep. And the salary is so small that any team can trade for him and essentially just send a guy down and put him into the lineup. So so I'd say cap space wise any team can still trade for Luke Shen, but considering that the Boston Bruins have just acquired Dmitry Orlov and Garnett Hathaway, mm-hmm. I'd say it's unlikely they're going to be giving assets Vancouver would want for Luke Shen. So maybe we should cross off or just move down the Boston Bruins as a destination for Luke Shen. It would seem unlikely, but Luke Shen, still a Vancouver Canuck and uh, won't be in the lineup, uh, at least for the foreseeable future for Vancouver until a decision is made. NHL trade deadline coverage is brought to you by Maui Jim Sunglasses, born on the beaches of Hawaii. Maui Jim Sunglasses are designed with polarized plus two lenses that protect eyes from harmful rays and enhance the view. Try on a pair and see for yourself. Uh, so what does this all necessarily mean for the trade deadline for the Vancouver Canucks and their plans? Now, I think the Washington Capitals have decided uh, we're going to throw a little bit of a grenade into everybody's mm-hmm. plans here. And we've decided to become sellers. We have, or had, 10 UFAs to, to potentially move out. Orlov and Hathaway, you could add Lars Eller and mm-hmm. Nick Jensen as others that would probably have interest around the league for contenders. And now you have Vladislav Gavrikov, you know, left holding the bag and being like, what? What's going on here? I thought I was going to Boston. And, you know, now this is um, this is kind of shaking things up. While everybody else was being held out for trade-related reasons, Capitals like, yeah, these guys aren't going to be in the lineup. No, actually, they're going to get <laughs> traded before the game even starts tonight. At least somebody making trades instead of just holding on to guys, right? And for Vancouver, it does a couple of things. With Orlov off the market, and he was a bit of a late addition, but he's also a player who I'd say would be one of the more sought after defenseman. Like I think he's a level above Gavrikov. Um, I do believe out of all the rentals, he might be the best one. He can play the right side, even though he's a lefty. Uh, He's good defensively, can move the puck, can play your power play if need be, has had success in the postseason. I know a season isn't at the level that you're used to seeing, but in that Boston system, you feel like he can step in and and be pretty damn good for you. So we're talking about a legitimate top four defenseman. Now that guy's off the market. Gavrikov is still there, so I do think that impacts the Luke Shen market to some degree. But I think, again, Boston was always kind of complicated. We, we spoke about Vancouver would have to take something back to make that type of a mm-hmm. deal. And 
Is Boston looking at Shen as their top priority? They seem like they want a higher level player. As you see, as good as Shen is, I think we all agree Orlov's a cut above. Yeah. And even Gabrikov, they're cut above. So these are guys a level above. But with those guys gone now, I think Vancouver feels pretty confident they're going to get close to their ask at this point. Uh, the time is uh, is ticking, and, and we'll see. You know, the, there's still connections with the, the Maple Leafs and the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning and... I'm sure some others may enter the party as well as uh, this really gets going uh, over the next little while. Uh, per friend of the show, David Pinota, part of the deal going back to the Washington Capitals is Craig Smith, Connor Clifton, and Jakob Sporl uh, to the Washington Capitals. So a lot of uh, money changing hands here. Craig Smith was somebody we talked about yesterday on the show as somebody, you know, Boston is trying to move so that they can make some things happen with their roster. Yeah, uh, that's just taking money. The only interesting thing there is Clifton, who's actually a good player. He plays yeah. the right side. Until we know the draft picks, though, I think that's the that's going to be the real thing. But you see how much money they took back. But Orlov makes money, too. Mm-hmm. And Boston had no cap space. They had to send money out. They had no choice but to send money out. Had to send money out. Uh, going to be certainly uh, a first-round pick, I would imagine, going uh, to the Washington Capitals as part of this deal. Um, yeah, the, This trade deadline, you know, there's there's been so much that's kind of um, been wondered of what is going to happen with Jacob Chikrin and uh, Vlad Gavrikov and even Shen as this week has gone on. Uh, this seems like a move that sort of does push things in a certain direction because Boston, already the best team in the league, is now adding, making a huge splash following up what the Maple Leafs did last week with Ryan O'Reilly. And I think that uh, it could spur action from uh, the other Eastern Conference teams here, Sat. Well, I think teams that have big needs, you can't really sit on those needs, right? The question really comes down to how does any of this impact Vancouver? And what I think this does is for a team like New Jersey, who has aspirations, do they step up their pursuit for Timo Meyer? How, how much does Timo Meyer kind of move up all of a sudden? Because now O'Reilly's gone. I think that's the guy. And until Meyer is gone, I think it, it's going to be difficult to really see what happens with a guy like Besser and Garland. Because I still think, ultimately, it's unlikely we see those guys move to the deadline. And the yeah. only way we see that happen is if we see all the top guys off, right? Tarasenko's off, O'Reilly's off, and you get Meyer off, Horvat's already been traded, and Larkin doesn't get moved. Because I mean, even if Detroit is having a hard time signing him. They're probably not moving him considering where they are in the playoff race. Mm-hmm. And they probably figure, hey, we'll probably get this done no matter what if we you know, we do get to the point in the offseason with him. So if Larkin's not on the market, now all of a sudden, the list of players available, even as rentals, isn't all that exciting. Like, does Gustav Nyquist excite you if he comes back from his injury? Not really. You know? And, like, he would be a pure rental type of player. And that's where a team like Calgary would be interesting. But they beat Arizona. They're kind of back in the playoff race right now. Are they really looking to move a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who would be a player who would be sought after? So... If you're looking from Vancouver's perspective for the best way for them to be able to move a Brock Besser is if this does, to your point, spur some movement and get Timo Meyer off the board. Because I think Timo Meyer is probably the biggest impediment to teams considering other options right now. As long as he's there and the top dog's available, I think teams that are looking at guys with term, they're like, hey, let's just see where Timo goes before we we look at other things that we're, we're trying to explore. Uh, Timo Meyer, probably the biggest piece still available out on uh, the deadline um, you know, 
trade targets board, whatever you'd like to call it, trade bait list, uh, all of the lists in the lead up to the deadline. He is still that number one guy with what he can provide. I will say, you know, um, Brock Besser has been linked to the Capitals by Elliot Friedman in uh, a couple of occasions, right, in his Mm -hmm. 32 Thoughts blog. And obviously Washington is a seller. Yeah. But we have seen them make moves in the past at the deadline where they're looking ahead to next year and years beyond that. Now they've opened up a little bit of, uh, well, we'll have to see what, what their cap situation looks like at the end of all this. But I do wonder, because last year, I think about their Mantha for Vrana trade. Uh, it wasn't last year. It was a couple years ago now. But you know they haven't been opposed to making moves that don't just settle their current situation. They'll look ahead to the next year. And as I said yesterday on the show, if Brock Besser does get traded, it's not going to be the Minnesota Wild that end up acquiring him. It would be somebody else. But uh, it's clear that uh, situations are starting to open up around the league and the the trade market is heating up as we are just over a week away now. Yeah. And I mean, I'd say Washington and Brock, sure. You think long-term, but I just don't know, like what's the impetus for them to do that today? Mm -hmm. Like, especially if you're looking on the outside and you're on the outside looking in from the playoff race. And now maybe the Orlov thing could be like the blues a few years ago where they're like, Hey, we still, we're not punting on making the playoffs, but we can't, not yeah. trade a guy who we can get something for and we're not keeping because we're not a cup contender this season. Yeah. You know, and that's what the Blues did with Shattenkirk and still ended up making the playoffs and they didn't do much in the postseason, but they were kind of on the verge. So maybe the Capitals are there. And if they're kind of looking at the playoffs still, but if they're looking to punt, I just see no reason why they would want to make a math of a better swap right now. I just don't understand why you take on more money next year and the year beyond when you're not quite sure where your organization is kind of headed. Well, they're not going to stop trying to win. This is like, for them, this is a quick reset. You know? Yeah. We're taking what we can right now, but we're going to try and put pieces around Backstrom and Ovechkin next year. Yeah. What? Right? For like sure. That, ultimately, they, they still want to win around uh, Ovechkin, who signed for three more years beyond this one. I just wonder if, if Besser is the guy that you want to make the deal for now instead of seeing what you can do in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, so it is looking uh, like um, picks are still being decided on uh, what is going back to the Washington Capitals here from the Bruins, but uh, Craig Smith uh, and Connor Clifton and Jacobs Borrell do seem to be part of this deal, but the picks would be really what Washington wants back in return. Uh, so some question on the players coming back. Yeah. Uh, it could just be Smith and Picks, not oh. Clifton and Sborrell. Uh, so we'll see. Dregger reporting, Smith and Picks, no other players, according to a source. So, so we'll find out. I mean, it's one of those, you know, still kind of fluid situations. So until we get... It's a big miss for David Pignota, I'll say. Friend of the show. But. Yeah, <laughs> tough one. Well, well, hey, listen, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a f- official. And, I mean, it could have double retention on it as well. So I, th- I think, you know, the best thing to do is put a pin in it for now. Okay. And as soon as it's, we, we get all the details, we'll, we'll delve into exactly what it is that uh, the Capitals are getting for Dmitry Orlov and perhaps if another team is involved as well. Uh, this de- definitely makes, uh, I would say, Boston, if they weren't already, probably the top deadline or the top contender for the Stanley Cup uh, given their season and the additions they've just made Uh, so uh, all right um, with that in mind and we still figure out how this deal is shaking out um, Luke Shen the biggest trade piece on the board right now for the Vancouver Canucks as we know waiting for that situation to develop 
But as it happens on the ice, we're getting the debut of Atu Ratu this evening. And if nothing else, the other night, it was a fun game. There have been a lot of fun games for the Vancouver Canucks this year. Andre Kuzmenko and the performance he put together uh, in that third period, the way that he starts and then finishes that tying goal, Mm -hmm. the give and go with JT Miller, um, you know, we're seeing a player, you know, that's continued to get better as the season goes on. And as Rick Tockett has put it many times, like we're still working with him. He still has to build a bit of a foundation, still work on his off ice or away from the puck play. And he's taken all of this in stride, continues to work hard, continues to be, uh, you know, (laughs) at least in the coach's good favor because of how hard he continues to work and seek out advice from the coaches. Like, are we seeing Kuzmenko not only – you know, continue to build, but are we seeing an ability to maybe hit another level? Maybe that the ceiling continues to be a little bit higher for this player. I think one of the things that Kuzmenko has shown is he's actually getting into better shape as the season goes on. And right now, we heard IMAX speak about this too, that he's on his own training regimen, and that has allowed him to kind of catch up physically. And you see the confidence that he has as well, right? And you see the fact that he is in better shape. I'm seeing a more dynamic player as the season goes on. And then we know that he has kind of the ability with that short area quickness. He has a little bit of a burst, but it seems like even more of that's there. Now, part of that is confidence, but considering that we're well into the second half of the season, into the last third of the NHL season, and he's actually getting stronger and better, I think that's a huge indicator more than anything about the character this guy has. Yeah. Like the desire he has to be a great hockey player. He's not just satisfied to get his contract. Like he wants to get that next deal too. He wants to be a great hockey player. And That was a question we all had about him. He's super talented. He has a lot of tools, but how will he adjust to National Hockey League? And how hard is he going to work at the National Hockey League level to become the type of player that he is capable of being? And we're seeing him hit every single one of those things. And yeah, there are moments still when when it comes to his puck management and details that can improve. And you even saw it on the final play where he scored the goal to tie it, You you know, maybe the right play there is dumping it in, not trying to make the play at the blue line that can lead to a turnover, but Hey, you made the play, you got the puck, and you scored a goal, right? So yeah, if you do that, and great players are capable of doing that, and if he gains the trust of the coach, which he is gaining, then it's fine for you to try that every once in a while, and that's going to work. But you're seeing him get better at wall play. You're seeing him be more attentive defensively. There's a desire here for him to be a great 200-foot player. And I can understand why the organization is betting on him and believe in him and want to keep him around, because he's also a great indicator for other guys to be like, this guy came in from Russia. And look at the work he's putting in to be the type of player he can be. Yeah. And he's one of our leading point scorers. And I think that type of attitude he has and his desire to get better is also something this organization is very, very impressed by. And, uh, you know, it earned him the contract, but the contract does sort of keep him hungry because if he's going to nail an even bigger deal after this two-year extension he just got, he's got to keep playing well and show that he's got a bigger ceiling than what we've already seen uh, with the Vancouver Canucks here. Um the stick work, the shot, uh, his ability to get into hard areas of the ice. You know, a lot of times, and I think this is a fair critique of Brock Besser, mm-hmm. especially in recent years, is he getting in on the inside? Yeah. You know, when he plays the net front on the power play, sure, he's getting into some of those areas and he's scoring some goals. But there is, like, you don't see Brock 
get into the home plate area in the same ways that Andre Kuzmenko does. And that's why Brock's goal scoring is nowhere near where Andre Kuzmenko's is this year. That's why Brock's goal scoring, you know, because he hasn't been able to score from distance yeah. in these last couple of years as he did in his rookie year. And why isn't he scoring as much goals? Because you got to get to the hard areas of the ice if you're not going to be a pinpoint sniper shooter in the way that you were earlier. Yeah, and not only does he get there, he's able to create space for himself when he's there, right? Like he understands when to get there. And we saw it on some of the tic-tac-toe plays. Um, I mean, against that flyer, I think it's the flyers where Shen found him net front and just how he kind of played possum and, you know, kind of late, you know, stayed back behind the net a little bit, yeah. created some space for himself. And as the play was overloaded, and as soon as the puck went over to Shen, he kind of crept up and found a backdoor play and he went in. I mean, that's just a smart player who's very aware of what's going on and also on the same page with guys like Patterson and seeing that Shen was going to get the puck and how that's going to open up a seam. Reading and anticipating really well. Yeah, it's just really impressive. Everything Kuzmenko's doing is super impressive this season. And, you know, using that word, we have uh, Cheech coming up in a bit. Yeah. He's showing to be a sustainable hockey player at, at a high level. <laughs> Cheech's favorite word, yeah. sustainable. Um these texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. My favorite part of the Kuzmenko play was him tapping his stick to say, give me the puck. He does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch Kuzmenko demanding the puck and you like to see that from players, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Brock has the speed or strength to get there anymore. I, I think he does. You know, we've seen Brock's pace pick up at times mm -hmm. in the last few weeks it's just it's still not consistent enough and you know getting to the front area getting to the hard areas is, sometimes can be will as much as anything else uh so uh, we'll continue that conversation but uh, we are getting more details now on the big trade that happened this afternoon the washington capitals divulging what the full trade is dimitri orlov and garnet hathaway to the boston bruins the Washington Capitals acquire a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 second-round pick, and a 2024 third-round draft choice, plus Craig Smith going to the Washington Capitals as uh, part of a make-weight. Yeah, and the Minnesota Wild are, are also part of the trade. They are retaining salary on Orlov, 25% of uh, Orlov's remaining salary this season, and they're netting a fifth-round pick. So Minnesota's just doing anything they can to add draft picks. Yeah, so they've retained now in two separate trades, Tarasenko and on this trade, and that has netted... Oh, was it O'Reilly? Sorry, yeah, the O'Reilly trade, yeah. not Tarasenko. O'Reilly trade, and now this trade, and they've netted a fourth and a fifth round pick. I believe the fourth is a couple years down the road, but the fifth round pick this year uh, they do get for retaining a quarter of the salary. So... Um, again, one of those situations that people have wondered if Vancouver gets in on. I'd say, again, Vancouver has two slots remaining in terms of retaining salary. Yeah. They may have to keep keep one for a player like a Brock Besser or something along those lines, right? You've mm -hmm. heard they're willing. They might have to. You have the NHL draft coming up. And if you're trying to make a trade to retain salary, guess what? You still have to have your retain one retention slot open, potentially, right? So I think they want to keep one open organizationally. Yeah. I would guess if they don't get a Besser deal done or another deal with terms, you can have that option at the draft potentially, whether it's Garland, Besser, The draft or is the big part, right? Because yeah. even if you retain on a, 
pending unrestricted free agent, you know, that is going to stay on your books until July 1st. Exactly. And July 1st, a new, July 1st is a new league year. Yeah. Now you get your three retention spots opening up again. So just saying, logistically speaking, depending on what you're looking to do organizationally, you have to keep that in mind. And if you're retaining salary, is it worth doing it for a fourth or a fifth at this point, if you can do it for more? Yeah. You know, and I think Vancouver would like to get a second or a third or, or more if they're retaining salary. You know, I think Alvin's hinted. He said, we kind of know what a retaining salary nets us or what we, what we could get. And they paid a second to get three and a half million off their books. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they kind of want to be able to get that second back and more. So if they're retaining salary, my guess would be they'd rather, unless they have no options and something comes up late, they do it and get something more back than a fourth or a fifth. The big one is going to be um, the Patrick Kane deal. That's yeah. the one where you're going to have to. Some team is probably going to have to eat uh, like just over two and a half million to retain, you know, to to play third party on a Patrick Kane trade out of Chicago. And, you know, that could be where you end up netting a third, maybe a second round draft choice, depending on how that trade ends up working out. But uh, that is a massive move. We've seen now a couple of Eastern Conference teams. Well, really, all of the big moves have been made by Eastern Conference teams so far, Sat. The West has been fairly quiet this trade season. It's an arms race. You know, mm-hmm. the six best teams by points percentage are all in the Eastern Conference. Vegas on 73 points is number one in the West. They would be the seventh seed right now in the East. So the arms race is certainly happening in the Eastern Conference, but I do imagine, you know, there is going to be some Western Conference teams that start to make their moves here in the next little while. I look at Dallas. Yeah. I look at Vegas and I look at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, Vegas made the Shea Weber move yesterday, which potentially allows them to start doing some things. Yeah. So they have options now all of a sudden. Um, and, and that's something I'm, you know, obviously they want to explore and they kind of need to, Mm -hmm. you know, they've had some injuries Mark Stone, I think they hope he's back, but with what's gone on and everything we've heard before, who knows? So I think they do need reinforcements, and they have to do their best to find it. And they're a good team. Like, yeah, I think if you look at their point percentage, like the best team in the West this year, them and Dallas, they're right up there, you know. And I think Colorado, as tough as their season's been, I don't think you can look at having McKinnon and having those players they have on that team and be like, yeah, let, let's not do what we can. To yeah. give these guys another shot this season. So so I'd, I'd say those are the three teams. Outside of that, which team really feels like they have to do something? Like Calgary seems like they're in waiting mode at this stage. Mm-hmm. You know, Edmonton, that's the other team. They got to move some money somehow, yeah. right? Like a lot of teams, uh, they're probably waiting to see what happens with Pugliarvi, but they also have some injuries that are sort of, you know, making that situation difficult because you don't want to be down yeah. a decent forward when you already have injuries to, you know, Evander Kane and others. Like, uh, you know, you saw this these deals that happen here, right? If somebody's taking um, Pugliarvi off your hands, I think they probably want a third. Yeah. Because the amount of money that's being retained here, we're talking about 75000 the one before on O'Reilly for mm. Minnesota in terms of cash that they're paying. The other one, this one's going to be 100K or something like that, or something along those lines. So you're talking about, you know, a couple hundred, a few hundred thousand, yeah. but it's more about the cap hit and it's netting you a fourth or a fifth. If you're taking Jesse Pugliarvi back, he's still owed a million bucks in cash. Yeah. So I think a team's looking at that and saying, you probably give us a third. Would Vancouver do that? Or are they willing to do that? I think if team, if, if Edmonton is willing to give a third to get Pugliarvi off their books, potentially, I could see Vancouver doing that. Give us a third. We'll take Pugliarvi. 
Yeah, that would uh, that would be an interesting move because uh, Pugliarvi, one of those guys that um, one of those post types <laughs> draft players that uh, the Canucks have liked so much over the last number of years. Uh, all right. Cheech is going to join us. John Garrett, uh, his take on the Canucks right now and uh, where they continue to go from here. And also what he had for lunch today in St. Louis. Always uh, a popular discussion with the Canucks Central listeners. That's next on Sportsnet 650. Canucks Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. So uh, the biggest move of the day in the National Hockey League, Dimitri Orloff and Garnet Hathaway going to the Boston Bruins. Uh, the Bruins going to be in town on Saturday, Sat. Yeah, and uh, with that, Dimitri- that will likely be their first game. With the Boston Bruins. Uh, yes, it uh, certainly looks that way. And you add Dimitri, Dimitri Orlov to that team. Uh, it just, they don't really have any weaknesses. <laughs> they really don't. And, uh, you know, we were kind of joking, and maybe we'll we'll have it for um, our power picks. Yeah. How many shots on goal do the Canucks get against the Boston Bruins on Saturday? Like, over under 20 and a half? Yeah. Do they get over 20 shots <laughs> on goal against the Bruins? Uh, the Bruins are, are tough to break down on the best of days. Yes. Uh, now uh, adding uh, Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway, it'll be that much tougher. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. He joins us every Thursday here on Canuck Central. It is uh, the legend himself, John Garrett. Cheech, what's happening? Not much, not much. I'd go over. They get more than 20 shots. <laughs> I mean, the Canucks get lots of shots. That's one thing is they always get lots of shots. They outshot whoever they outshot Nashville the other night. Come on! No, they did. I mean, Nashville lots of shots. The only the only thing similar about Nashville and the Boston Bruins is some of the colors in their jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> and once uh, Ryan Johansson went down, they yeah. only had one center taking faceoffs and stuff. That was kind of working in the Canucks' favor. Uh, so um, how's how's St. Louis? I saw Murph tweet out the picture. Do you, you have a good burger for lunch today? Yeah, I did. Uh, the place is called High Point. It's relatively new. It was recommended to uh, Shorty by, I don't know who, but somebody. And so, uh, and it was walking back from the rink to the hotel. It was on the way. It made it, and it's a beautiful day today. Yesterday, there was a tornado warning here. But uh, today was a beautiful day. So we walked back, and we stopped at High Point, and uh I get a single burger, cheese, mustard, ketchup, mayo, mm. and fries, and Mr. Highfalutin gets a Frisco <laughs> melt, onion rings, and iced tea. So, and then he's moaning about how long it took before we got our food because he has this fancy sourdough sort of creation. And the food was very good. Mm. It was very good. And the cola was uh, wild cola. I've never had it before. Very sugary, right up my alley. <laughs> right. So, I mean, they come home to go to to play to play the Bruins on Saturday. Then they fly out to play Dallas. 
when you go to Dallas, yeah. are you are you gonna venture out and maybe have some beef or something, or are you still just, just gonna stick to burgers and barbecue? fries? Because they have great barbecue and brisket there. Yeah, there's a we stay there's a smash burger or something right across the street from where we stay in <laughs> Dallas, so I'll probably end up there. But uh, there's a couple other places in Dallas. There's an American bar where we can watch all the hockey games. We usually migrate to that place. It's just up the street from the hotel. It is a, we get our steps. Depends on the weather. <laughs> uh, John Garrett, our guest. Uh, so uh, Canucks get, uh, you know, they, they, they fight hard, battle hard against the uh, Nashville Predators the other night, but we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about uh, Archer Silovs and uh, what you thought of the rookie in his first two NHL games. I, I liked him, especially in the second game. I, I thought he was more in control, wasn't as nervous in the second game. and uh, Lots of rebounds, but I think that's part of uh, youth and just uh, not being used to the speed of the NHL game as compared to the American League game. And that's one of the things as a goalie you notice is that the guys uh, in the American League, you can guess more because the shooters aren't as good. And so you can say, okay, this guy's going to miss over there or he's going to try and go glove side. Whereas in the NHL, uh, they'll cross you up and they can pick spots better and uh, things like that. But uh, I thought the second game, he played between the posts. He wasn't overreacting. And uh, the only thing I would have taken note of was there was lots of rebounds, but he got his first win. And I, I was thrilled to see how delighted he was uh, to get that first win. And uh, I think it's nice that he's going to get another start. I would assume that Colin Delia would probably get Saturday, and then we'll see Thatcher Demko in Dallas. Mm-hmm. But I, I could be wrong. Maybe maybe they'll want to play Thatcher on Saturday. I bet against the Bruins, yeah. mm, your first game back and you're playing against the best team in the league. If I was doing it, I would not do that. Yeah, probably. I mean, I may honestly just wait uh, until they play Minnesota after that. Maybe have them back up against uh, um, Dallas coming up next week and, and go from that stage. But I guess that also depends on where he's at and how comfortable they are with him. But, you know, in terms of just like the type of game and we've seen these goalies play under here, are we getting a better idea of what these goalies are with the team being a bit better defensively or do you think that the environment is still bad enough that it's difficult to judge some of these goaltenders Uh, at times I think it's difficult to judge but then at other times you have to take the goalie separately Mm -hmm. Uh, you look at the uh, you know Tyler Myers had a tough night and he ends up behind the goalie trying to block the last one and uh, stumbled over the lines went on the other one and it ends up a two-on-one but, but the the first goal was, to me, uh, Colin Delia ends up way past the post to the one side, makes the first save, and then he has to dive back, makes a great save on the second one, but he's lost his stick and his legs are all over the place and he's not in control. So the third one, it's easy, goes right through him. And even the one at, at the end uh, that uh, Tyler Myers was in behind him, it, it was right through him again and that uh, is a concern if I was looking at it but I, I think when the guys are as old as Spencer Martin and Colin Delia you say well okay is this what they are whereas with Arthur Seelaws uh, you say well okay he's going to get better 
John Garrett, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central. So um, d- defensively, you know, we talk about the goalies all the time, but defensively, this team still still making its uh, its fair share of of mistakes. You know, we got a little bit more than a ten game sample now under under Rick Tockett. Are, are you seeing some some differences in, in how this team defends their end of the ice? Well, there's some differences. I don't think there's any doubt that there's some differences, especially once they get hemmed in. Mm-hmm. You can see that their positional plays is better. But reading the plays at the blue lines and in the neutral zone, uh, the power play goal that uh, I think it was Tomasino scored, yeah. uh, it's a two-on-two. And it's just a read. Uh, the other one where Yossi comes in from the center line, Riley Stillman, takes a little run at him in the neutral zone for no apparent reason. And it's just a bad read. And I think that's, uh, we're still seeing plays like that. And I'm sure it's driving the coaching staff nuts, but uh, the fans, <laughs> the fans, you say, and you want the team to be active. You want them to, uh, you know, play with some aggressiveness too, but just read the play and, and stay within yourself and, uh, trust the other guy to do the right thing, and it, it's a it's an uphill struggle right now. And uh, Rick Tockett talked about it. It's it's almost the hate to call it an extended training camp. What do you make of that? Like the way the organization is kind of approaching. Obviously, I'm missing the organization. I'm assuming that. Uh, Alvin Rutherford and organizationally they're on board with looking at these final you know 30 odd some games with Rick Tockett and now with what 25 of them remaining that they are about finding out about the team setting a standard and essentially having it be a massive training camp what do you think of that approach at the end of the season making it about process and essentially saying it's an extended training camp no I uh, if I'm the coaching staff I like it mm-hmm. you know there's no pressure you're you're evaluating and you're evaluating okay people that you're going to be uh i'm not going to say stuck with but people who you'll be working with in the next few years and you're hoping you can change some of the style and then you're evaluating the guys that uh, are on the bubble Uh, and you look at the guys who are on entry-level contracts and dakota joshua and people like that with the one-year deals and so you're evaluating them. If you're the coaching staff, this is a, a kind of a perfect situation. Whereas last year when Bruce came in, it was a run to the playoffs. And then uh, they were so close and there was meaningful games down the stretch. And uh, so he didn't have time. Uh, Quinn Hughes was 25 minutes a game. Uh, Bo Horvat, every faceoff. Uh, and Elias Patterson, JT Miller, all over 20 minutes a game. And it, was, it wasn't uh, an evaluation thing. It was a struggle to try and make the playoffs and I think with this new coaching staff it's okay we're not going to make playoffs so here we can evaluate and run an extended training camp you know in saying that the 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 game in Nashville JT played what seven of the last 11 minutes I can't even imagine what like (laughs) what that would feel like but uh it was uh it was kind of crazy and JT I mean under Rick Tockett I've I've liked his game a lot better he seems more engaged uh, still playing better through the middle of the ice right now in these last uh, these last few. Um, are, are you seeing a, a different JT Miller in these last 10 or so games? Uh, I would say so, but as you said, he's playing more and he's playing in, in better situations and uh, they're switching the lines around that seven of the last 11 minutes and 
Uh, who did he assist a beautiful play on the last goal? Kuzmenko, well, yeah. He was out there with Kuzmenko. And uh, there was a couple of timeouts there and uh, goals so that there was stoppages in play. And, and I, li- I like his competitiveness. I don't think there's anything people can't question that. But every now and then he'll get into those moods where he's sulking about not getting a pass or uh, he's missed a check and then he's sauntering over to the bench on a line change. And that's what I'm sure drives the fans nuts and, and probably drives their teammates nuts. But you heard Elias last Saturday talking about, well, he's a, a emotional guy and wears his heart on his sleeve and uh, they need that kind of fire. And uh, without Luke Shen, who to me was kind of the conscience of the team, you need some kind of fire. You need a balance for JT. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you have to find that personality, and uh, you're hoping that one of the younger guys has that personality that, and hopefully uh, a very good player so that it'll counteract when JT does, does get in one of his moods. Well, yeah, and in terms of JT's uh, importance to the team, you see it on ice uh, in, when he plays at his best and what he can do, but it seems like what Talkit wants is these players to take another step off the ice, and not only has he spoken about Pedersen being more of a vocal leader, he's also kind of mentioned how JT needs to tone it down a little bit, and, and Cheech, we, we oftentimes talk about these players as if they're finished products and humans, and yeah, the guy might be 30 years old, and, and in hockey terms, yes, you know that, that's getting up there in age, so to speak, but in terms of maturity and knowing how to behave or, and conduct yourself and becoming, you know, just kind of growing as a person. How much more can these guys do at this stage still? Well, and like you say, the off-ice stuff too. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you've got an, another new baby and JT and uh, you mature family-wise and you mature personality-wise and you get in your 30s and instead of uh, being in your prime, you're saying, well, how many more chances am I going to get? Uh, are we good enough to win? Can we get there while I'm still here? Uh, and then I think that will help drive JT into uh, becoming a more complete player, both on and off the ice. It's um, Andre Kuzmenko. B- before we get into his play on the ice, what do you make of the uh, mid-game snack choice of the banana and Pepsi? <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. that <laughs> a, uh, I played with a couple of guys that. Uh, did that Ray McKay? You remember a guy named Well, anyway, a guy named Ray McKay. He used to do that: take bananas and get the potassium, and he'd say <laughs> the electrolytes, so he didn't cramp up. Big, tall, skinny guy. And uh, I used to drink six cokes in between periods. Six. And that six. Was, yeah, you'd have to, you know, I sweated a lot, and a little <laughs> guy like myself, and so he he'd just keep that sugar and keep that buzz going, and. I suppose six Cokes are better than uh, Gila Fleur smashing. You can Google uh, it. They were calling me the Coca-Cola kid in Hartford, and uh, the Coke company came with some cases to the house. It was just—I was in the program as the Coca-Cola kid, and there. I'd say one of my few endorsements sat. I'm not like you. I'm not on all the time. I'm not getting a million endorsements like Satyar Shah. No. So I was a Coca-Cola kid, and I got a few cases of Coke. So you get, see, see, there you go. You I mean you you were the Coca Cola man. You were ahead of the time. Yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, I was. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you well, know, that's when I was a kid. Coca Cola kid. Emphasis on kid. Kid. So that's yeah. That's how long ago that was. Yeah, exactly. 
but in terms of just entertainment the rest of the season, because obviously the best thing for this team is to get the, get the higher draft pick and the losses, obviously, is what fans are kind of hoping for down the stretch. But is it not fun watching Kuzmenko play? It is. It is. And I, the tank thing, and, uh, you know, I, I, I get it. I understand it. And I, you can see why the team would say, well, okay, well, we got a chance and we could get into the Bedard sweepstakes and all that sort of stuff. But the professional players, the athletes themselves, you go out there and you're trying to win every night. Every time you, the goalies, you put on the pads and you're the one position on the ice where you can make a difference every night. You can steal a game by yourself. And you look at uh, the Rangers, Winnipeg the other night. What were the shots? 51 to 21? Mm -hmm. And the Jets won 4-1. So it's, that's the, the feeling that I get is, uh, those guys, and okay, they might not be good enough a lot of nights, but every game is a new game. Every game you go out there and you think you can do it, and uh, that's the way they play. It's you not good enough <laughs> a lot of nights, but that's the way they play. You know, uh, Kuzmenko, like the coach, uh, took away a little bit of his ice time when he first got in, and uh, you know he's had to earn it back. They've been very clear that you know there, there's things Kuzmenko still needs to work on, but you know, it feels as though if, if he rounds out his game in the way that uh, the coaching staff thinks he can, like there's there's clearly another level that he can get to. Even though he's 26 and we, we expect a player to be the finished product at that age nowadays, um, it, it still feels like um, Kuzmenko can, uh, you know, still get to another level as a player. Yeah, and uh, people forget that it's the, you come over onto the smaller ice surface and uh, – I think what drives the coaches nuts is, and you can pay attention to, in his own zone, when he gets that pass on the wing and he's got time, and instead of making the pass himself to somebody who's moving, he'll circle and he'll make that extra play himself rather than just moving it up out of his own zone. And uh, I think that's Mm -hmm. where the coaching staff would say, okay, inside your own blue line, that's really where you have to work on your game. No more circles be strong on the boards and sometimes when it comes around his side it doesn't get out and that should be almost an automatic if you got time now uh cheech before we let you go what is it like when you see two teams face each other that are very clearly sellers <laughs> i mean the blues have traded ryan o'reilly and tarasenko the canucks have traded bullhorn about luke shen is kind of you know hanging in the wind somewhat uh, until he does get traded like what do you, what do you think the vibe is when two teams meet like this like who has the edge in a game like this well so and uh if you watch Craig Berube's uh, media availability this morning i really enjoyed it because uh, you know how honest Craig is and how he he says everything exactly the way he feels and he was talking about uh teams holding guys out and uh, you look at the uh you look at the you look at the way the uh, uh, Craig handled it, and uh, Craig talking about teams sitting guys out, mm-hmm. and looks uh, Saad and Butchnevich are coming back, and uh, St. Louis is okay. They've got guys they're selling and uh, get rid of their captain, just like Vancouver, but. There, you think Craig Berube's trying to tank? No. <laughs> no chance. No, no chance. chance. 
Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, Cheech, you're always the best. Uh, we'll see you back uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, we're back for Saturday, and uh, Shorty and I are doing that game on Saturday. Oh, and that little 4 o'clock puck drop? Yeah. I'm excited. We'll see you at the rink. A rare Saturday night appearance <laughs> by the dynamic duel. Hey, you were you were as good as Elias Pettersson on After Hours last week, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I'm a big part of that show. You know how much I love doing that. Thanks a lot, Cheech. Always appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Uh, there he is, uh, the best, John Garrett. Always, uh, always a fun chat every Thursday here on Canuck Central. Yeah, I mean, uh, always uh, fun chatting with him. And uh, it's like somebody texted in Mike and Willoughby. You know how the Canuck season is going, that uh, Cheech's uh, – Food choices is more entertaining than the team. <laughs> that's uh, that's what our weekly check-in with Cheech is about. What did you have on the road this week? Um, all right, uh, still lots to get to. Uh, some interesting stuff uh, with the New York Rangers potentially happening. Vitaly Kravtsov and Jake LeCision have been scratched for roster management reasons, according to the Rangers. They've been heavily linked with Patrick Kane in the last couple of days. Yeah, so uh, who knows uh, what is going on there outside of yeah. a trade, potentially, but how imminent is it? As soon as I see a guy be held out, like a guy's not held out, tr- trade happens faster, you see it with like, yes. Washington. right? So maybe the kiss of death is a player's <laughs> being being held out of uh, Everybody lineup. else who was being held out didn't, didn't like know. is just sitting at home on the just couch, you know, eating a bag of chips. Yeah, Luke Shen taking care of his pregnant <laughs> wife at home here in Vancouver. That's true. You know, just chilling. Uh, but... You know, so, so it's one of those things, yeah. right, where it's like... It gets everybody excited, but... It does, but who knows? Uh, what I do know, I know people are kind of wondering with Vancouver. I saw Rick mention on Twitter um, that uh, Kraftsoff's not coming to Vancouver, and that's true. And I'm not expecting any, any announcements mm-hmm. before puck drop from the Canucks. Okay. That's not to say anything might yeah. not happen, but I'm not expecting... You know, people are... A lot of stuff's going on. People are asking, is Vancouver close to anything? They're working hard, but yeah. the sense I'm getting right now, an hour from puck drop... Probably not before puck drop. But we might be in one call territory, one phone call away. Listen, an hour. How many phone <laughs> calls can you get in an hour? A few. It's uh, a lot of phone calls. We'll see. Uh, Canucks and St. Louis Blues, the pregame is coming up. The 2023 RBC JCC Sports Center is coming up on March 28th. You can be a part of the dinner by entering the 50-50 draw in the Duet Cadillac Raffle on now. Visit sportsdinnerraffle.com for tickets gronk is going to be there this year so check it out all right coming up the pregame is next on sportsnet 650